Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. When I stand accused by my regrets And the devil roars his empty threats I will preach the gospel to myself That I am not a man
celebrate what you have done because you have done great deeds on our behalf. Thank you for bringing us into a relationship with you that gives us peace, that gives us courage to face the day. We love you and we're here for you. It's in your name we pray, amen. In 1969, my family was set to go on this incredible adventure, this great trip, this cruise that was gonna go all over Europe, and particularly to parts of Europe that they had never been to before. Uh, It it was a a trip that everyone had been looking forward to, had been planning, had been promised for years. Uh, My brother and sister in particular were were excited because it was really going to be the the trip that was uh, the highlight of their life so far. I was born in February of 1970, which means that they were informed somewhere along the line in 1969 that instead of going on this incredible cruise, this incredible trip, this trip all through Europe to places that nobody in the family had been to before that you could only read about in history books and see in travel magazines, instead of doing all of that, they were gonna get a little brother. When you spin the wheel at Wheel of Fortune, You can win a cruise. You can't win a little brother. But it didn't seem to matter. The trip was canceled. And I was on my way. Now, later on, I feel like it kind of worked out okay. But my brother and sister were 12 and 15 years old when that all took place. And my brother never quite forgot about the trip that he never got to go on. So by the time I was old enough to pay attention to things, my brother started dropping hints. Hints about the idea that I wasn't really part of the family, that I didn't really belong. Now, it was already kind of weird to me that there were none of my friends who had brothers and sisters that were 12 and 15 years older without anybody else in between. That already made me a little unnerved by how I didn't kind of feel like everybody else, but my brother kind of whispered into that suspicion and that doubt. He asked me if I had ever seen pictures of my mom pregnant before I was born, which as a six-year-old, I couldn't remember having seen any of those. Now, the truth was there weren't any pictures of my mom pregnant before he was born either, but I didn't know that at the time. He also kind of leaned into the idea that he and my sister looked an awful lot like my mom and dad, but that I didn't really. Little anecdotes here, little comments there, just to kind of build on that suspicion and that doubt. It wasn't until I was about eight years old that he was forced to kind of come clean on his covert operations, but that hasn't stopped the fact that still, whenever we're together, he finds a little moment to make a joke about how I don't really belong. Now that was normal, fun, prankster behavior among siblings in the 70s, telling your little brother that he doesn't belong in the family. I I think now that probably is a punishable offense, and I'm not going to punish him, but if you would like to bring charges of some sort, you just let me know, and I'll jump in on that. But I love my my family. I I can't imagine not being connected to them, to every single part of my family, including my brother, believe it or not. We like to belong. That sense of belonging, there's comfort, there's coziness, there is strength that's found in in knowing that we belong. Many years ago, it doesn't seem like it's as big a deal now, but many years ago, it seemed as though we liked to kind of collect those little cards that told us that we belonged, that we were members of something. For a long time, I, I carried around, even after college was over, my college ID, because it For one, it got me movies cheaper, but it also was one of those little membership cards that made me remember the community that I belonged in. I had my Blockbuster video card, remember those that we all carried around? A little blue card that that told us that wherever we were in the country, we could go to a Blockbuster and we could rent movies from there because we belonged. I had my AAA membership, that was a big deal. I even kept my National Honor Society membership card. It was just a laminated piece of paper, but I kept it with me so that in in case you needed to know I was a nerd, you would know that I had that, and that I was part of a collective of nerds as a term. I had a 
membership card to a gym that I never went to. I have a membership card to a library that I seldom walk into. But if I ever wanted to go, I could prove that I belong. That sense of belonging is significant in us. It's a drive that we have. It's, it's even an obsession that we have to a certain degree. We read in the Bible that there were people that followed Jesus around. People that weren't just folks that were in the crowd, but they were people who, who actually um, were with Jesus more than just his times of teaching and more than just the times that, that multitudes were there. And over time, it seemed that we were told that people recognized those other people as being uh, those who belonged to the group that followed Jesus. And over time, that sense of belonging got a title and they started calling them disciples of Jesus because they weren't just people who were in the crowds, they were people who were trying to act like Jesus and be like Jesus because they belonged to that community. But then Jesus, Jesus made that sense of community and that sense of belonging next level when he sacrificed his perfect life a life that was lived completely inside the will of God, and he allowed that life to be killed on the cross so that everyone could belong. And what Jesus did on the cross satisfied everything that had ever separated us from God in the past. And there was this sense of belonging and it was that sense of belonging that had been stripped from us, had been stripped from Adam and Eve when they walked out of the Garden of Eden. When they walked out of the Garden of Eden, we're told that they were weeping. And part of why they were weeping, it wasn't just because they were leaving this comfortable place behind. It wasn't just because they were leaving the place they, that they'd only been to in their whole life behind. It was because they knew they were leaving that sense of belonging. It was gone for good. And then, Jesus. And because of Jesus, and because of his substitutionary death on the cross that he did for all of us, that he did to kind of stand in the gap between us and judgment, we are all offered community and belonging in the family of God. It's the reversal of the devastation that was felt at the fall of man. Now, in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches a sermon. And the sermon that he preaches is a sermon where he basically gives the terms and conditions um, of what it means to belong, what it means to have membership in the family of God. And in that sermon, it's a rough sermon. In that sermon, he, he makes accusations towards the people he's speaking to that because of them, and actually, because of all of us, Jesus went to the cross, that, that we are all guilty for what he had to go through. But that he offers us grace and he offers us forgiveness because of what he went through. And then when Peter was done preaching, all the people that heard what he had to say, instead of turning on him, took what he had to say to heart and they wanted to do what to, wondered what to do about their situation. What we read in Acts chapter two are these words. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter had an answer. And what we read in the rest of Acts two is that Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And the people that heard what Jesus had to say, or what Peter had to say, 
who heard the accusations that were made against them, who heard all about the sin and the rebellion against God that, that was seen in the life that they had been living to that point, those people believed what Peter said. And not only did they believe what Peter said about sin and rebellion, but they even confessed and admitted that they were the ones who had committed sin. They confessed to not being perfect. They confessed to living life outside of the will of God. But they needed to know what else they were supposed to do. And so Peter said, repent. Repent. From this point forward, turn your life around. Stop living your life in such a way where it's all about you and so you're moving further and further away from God and decide that from this point forward, you're gonna turn around and with everything you can, you're going to live your life toward God and be baptized. Which the Greek word that Peter used in Acts chapter two, verse 38, is the word baptizo, which we've turned into the word baptized, but baptizo means to dunk underwater. And that path that, is laid out in Acts chapter two is the same path that we have been preaching and teaching from that moment forward. That if you want to accept the free gift of grace and, and forgiveness that Jesus offers that he made possible because he died on a cross and he rose again, the path is actually clear. But even today, with as clear as the, the path may be, and as clearly as we lay the path out, there are still moments of doubt that creep into our lives and creep into our thoughts and we start to wonder whether we actually do belong. And there are some questions that rise up about salvation and that rise up about community and rise up about whether I really belong. And I'm not trying to equate the whispers of my brother into the ears of a six-year-old boy with the whispers of the evil one into our lives. But if you want to make that comparison, you're welcome to. But you see, the evil one is whispering into our ears, building on the doubt and the suspicion that might creep in, and causing us to question our relationship with the creator and question whether we can truly feel like we belong, whether we really know we're saved. And all of that doubt, I think, led to some questions that have come in over the last few months. And, and they're not new questions, they're questions that I have fielded in 30 plus years of ministry over and over again from many different people. But they're questions that if I had to kind of put them all together into one question, although that one question is gonna have lots and lots of branches coming off of it, the question would be something like this, how can I be sure that I'm saved? And the initial answer to that question is clear, which is wonderful. Jesus gave us the answer to the question when he gave his, his mission to all of us to follow. If you'll remember, Jesus said to all of those who were already followers of him, go and make disciples, make groups of belonging of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Now that's right in line with what Peter was saying in Acts chapter two. But there are still some moments and there's still some scriptures and there's still some words that we will read in scripture that cause us to think and cause us to wonder whether we could possibly accidentally fall away from grace? Or at least that's the questions that come. Because the questions that kind of get built off of this are things like, is it possible to get um, unsaved? If it's possible to follow a path that I accept the grace and the forgiveness that Jesus offers, is it possible for me to do something that's gonna get me unsaved? Verses like Hebrews chapter six, verse four, cause us to, have some of those doubts. Here's what it says, for it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance 
by rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. Or, or it may be that the words of Peter have us crossed up. Not Peter's words from Acts chapter two, but what Peter wrote in Second Peter when he said this, and when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which is a really good thing, and that's how we combat the world that we live in and the brokenness of it, but he goes on, and then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off, worse off than before. It would be better if they had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and then reject the command they were given to live a holy life. We start to wonder what that all means. And the questions start to pop up in our mind. And the question that comes is, does this mean that I can lose my salvation? Well, if you'll let me, I'd like to correct and even improve that question a little bit. Because I, th I think the question is something that causes us problems. Because when we say things like, can I lose my salvation? The question seems to imply that for reasons that are completely accidental, okay, for reasons that we never intended, uh, very unintentional acts, almost innocent acts, out of my control acts, can I lose my salvation? When I say that, it's, it's like when I lose my keys. When I lose my keys, I never lose my keys on purpose. I never lose my keys intentionally. I, I don't, if you think about how, how much frustration comes when you lose your keys and how much time is lost when you lose your keys, there's no reason for us to ever intentionally lose our keys. We accidentally lose our keys. Okay, I, when I lose my keys in the couch cushion, I didn't put them there on purpose. When I lose my keys because I left them in my jeans pocket and now they've gone through the wash and they're partway through the dryer and I'm not sure that fob's gonna work anymore, I didn't do that on purpose. When I'm 19 years old and I go to the beach in the evening, in the night, with my keys in my pocket and I start running through the, the, the water and through the ocean and my keys fall out of my pocket and I don't really notice until it's much later in the night and I go to the car to try and open the car but I don't have my keys and I call home for my dad to come and help me out and when my dad shows up now really late at night and I forgot to tell him why I needed him to come down to the beach and we didn't get the extra set of keys and now we have to drive back to my house and pick up the extra set of keys and then drive back down to the beach now early in the morning to get my car and head back to the house. It's in that moment moment that I'm really happy that I belong to a family, but in that last trip, I'm not really sure that my dad was all that thrilled. But see, all of those were things that I did unintentionally. I didn't mean to lose my keys. So when it comes to our salvation, maybe a more appropriate question would be, can I give up my salvation? This is not a, an innocent or accidental act. This is something that's very intentional. It's an intentional rejection of God's grace and his forgiveness. And within the passages that, that I just read, that there was intent and there was effort on behalf of the person that's being talked about who, who at one point had accepted God's grace and had accepted God's forgiveness but now wants to just give it back and has decided I don't want this for myself anymore. I don't need this for myself anymore. And maybe a clearer passage is what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter two. He, he wrote this. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself and suddenly we begin to separate from God. Bob Russell addresses these verses with these words. He says, if we stumble and fall into sin, God will still be faithful to his promise to save us. 
But since we are saved by faith in Christ, if we sin to the point of saying, I no longer believe in Christ, I disown him, he will disown us. In a very real sense, that person has renounced his own salvation. That's not innocently or accidentally losing your keys. That's following through with a desire to distance yourself from Christ. Now there are some that would argue that if someone gets to a point where they want to give up that sense of belonging, that that they wanna give up on the grace that covers over their sin in life, if they would actually get to a point where even though there is this heart and soul desire to want to belong to the kingdom of God, the family of God, and yet they get to a place where they're actually willing to let it go, then they probably never really accepted it in the first place. To me, that's a bit of a semantical argument. And so since we're kind of ending up in the same place with the same results in the people that we're talking about, I'm not really willing to dive into that conversation because I think we're kind of saying similar things. But there is a much bigger lesson here than just trying to figure out the minutia of that line. Where's the line for when you fall away? I don't want us to leave these verses. I don't want us to leave any of these thoughts with the idea that we can participate in a sin that God won't forgive, that God can't forgive, that there is this momentary accidental thing that we can do that if we do that thing wrong, then we're out. It's almost like asking the question, is it possible for God to create a rock that's so heavy that even he can't lift it? That's just a psychological circle that we've created for ourselves and it's a question that doesn't actually matter. But when it comes to this sense of belonging and it comes to this sense of knowing that you are safely within God's grace and forgiveness, there is sometimes a fear of thinking that there's something that we can do that just this one momentary bad step would be something that God can't forgive. And that makes people wonder if they actually do belong. The amazing and almost unimaginable strength and power of God's grace is that it is strong enough and it is big enough to cover any sin. But when you choose to enter into a life of rebellion and through your actions and through your spirit you just reject God and reject the grace and reject the mercy and reject the love of Jesus Christ and decide that that we no longer want it, that we no longer deem it necessary for our life, when we deny him, when we disown him in our life, on the other side of accepting him, then he disowns us. He will give us what we say we want. And what we're saying we want is absolute separation from him. And again, this isn't about accepting Jesus Christ and accepting his grace and accepting his love and and, and then having a moment of sin again on the other side. This is about somebody who absolutely with their life and with their lifestyle just rejects Jesus at every turn, even turns on and, and bashes those who do believe in Jesus. If that person had at one time given their life to Christ, they are saying with their life, they're saying with their actions, they're saying with their spirit that they they want that life back, that they selfishly want it back for themselves. They're, 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 they're regretting that they ever gave it to Jesus in the first place. But maybe that's not you. And maybe you're kind of thinking, I don't, I don't know who this message is for, but I don't ever feel that way. Can I just tell you that the warnings that show up in the New Testament are there and they are important for you whether you have ever felt this way yet or not. The warning that's there is to guard us from getting anywhere close to the cliff 
of falling away, anywhere close to the cliff of falling out of the habit of living a life for Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 says this. Dear friends, if we, and this is a huge word, deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. It is a warning for us. A warning to live a life that is characterized by belonging to Jesus. Living a life that's characterized by people who look more and more and more like Jesus every single day of our life rather than being characterized by a continual life of sin. Our belief in the saving grace of Jesus Christ is not about one moment on Sunday morning. And our belief in Jesus Christ is not about one moment in our life when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and some of us have that date kind of etched in our mind like a birthday, and that's fantastic, but it's about more than just that one day and that one moment or that one moment in the baptistry. Belief continues on. And one of the most famous verses that shows up anywhere in the Bible, because so many people have memorized it, it's Jesus who said these words. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes, and that word believes that Jesus uses is in the Greek, a word that, has, that, that shows up in the present tense. And here's the amazing thing about the present tense that shows up in this particular verse, is that it was present tense when it was read thousands of years ago. And it was present tense whenever the day was that you memorized this passage. And it was present tense last week if you ever came across these words and it's present tense right now as you read them. And tomorrow if you read these same words, it's present tense. And a month from now, it's still gonna be present tense. Because that belief that we have is not a moment in time. That belief that we have is a constant and it continues on. Once you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, that faith and that trust continues, and your salvation is secure, and we need not have fear about that. Again, I, I, I think Bob Russell stated this so well. These are his words. He said, if you are a sincere believer, then questioning your salvation is wrong. It is not a sign of humility or showing your awareness of your sins. To question your salvation shows a lack of faith in the promise of God to save you. If you trust that the substitutionary death of Jesus that he had on the cross was to be a substitute for you, for him to stand in the gap between you and judgment, then you should have assurance of your salvation. But what scripture speaks to us is that if we are wanderers, if we are people where our life is only occasionally characterized by a life in Christ, if we are people where we remember that we're part of the family of God and we remember that we belong every once in a while and then we kind of fade away for quite some time and then we kind of show back up and then we fade away for a long, long time. If you're a wanderer in your faith, it can lead to a point of rejection of what you formerly believed. And that may not seem like it's a slippery slope for you. That may not seem like something that you would ever have trouble with. In fact, it may seem to you that you can't imagine a scenario where you would ever even think to reject God or reject his grace or reject his forgiveness, but some have. And I promise you there was a point in their faith where they said the same thing. So the words of scripture are words of warning to us. Warning about slipping away, warning about falling away, not by accident, not by some innocent act that we didn't see coming, but with great intention that we would reject this sense of belonging that we have. So if you're here today and you're somebody who 
would really look at your life and maybe you would tell nobody else this, but you would call yourself a wanderer. And there have been times, and maybe you're in one right now, where you have wandered from the Lord. Then you should repent. And you should return to Christ instead of risking letting your heart grow harder and harder and harder to him. See, Peter warned us. Peter said this, be on guard so that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. God is big enough to forgive your sins, whatever they are, whenever they are, however much they are. But to answer the question, I do believe that you can decide and I can decide to give up my salvation. To give up on that sense of belonging and community that has been offered to me through the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. But belonging is so much better. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, what you have done for us, what you have given to us is um, at times too much for us to, to comprehend. God, to hear that, that your confidence in us and that your grace for us and that your forgiveness to us knows no bounds and that if we are willing to enter into that relationship with you, if we are willing to say yes to the forgiveness and the grace that you offer, and, and, and if we are going to respond to that sense of belonging that is in our heart and, and that void that's there, that you will take us no matter what we have done. It's just difficult for us to fathom. And God, for some of us who have accepted that grace and that forgiveness and know with confidence that we are part of your family. It's unfathomable for us to consider ever not wanting that, ever rejecting that, and maybe we just have these scenarios that we make up in our mind. But God, we live in a broken world, and that broken world can pull us in all kinds of different directions and wreak havoc on our heart and our minds to the place that we would actually decide that we don't want that relationship with you. God, would you keep us from wandering? Would you bring us back to you? Would you help us to know that sense of security that is found in belonging to the kingdom of God? All made possible through nothing that we have done. Through the sacrifice, the substitute, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you would stand with me this morning as we get ready to worship and praise. And as we do, if you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never said yes to his grace and his forgiveness, to his leadership for your life, you've never said yes to that sense of belonging that he's offering, I need you to know that it was meant for you no matter who you are. No matter what sins have happened, no matter how high the pile of sin is in your mind, he offers grace that covers all of that. Forgiveness that covers all of that. You, you've already witnessed this morning the in, incredible moment where it, just a young heart says, I need Jesus in my life. I want to say yes to him. I want to be baptized because that's what he asked us to do. And maybe that's a decision that you have this morning. And if today needs to be a day that you say yes to Jesus and you're baptized today or you just have questions about all of that, I invite you to come as we sing here in just a moment. Maybe that sense of belonging is something that, that you want to have just with the folks that you see around you and you want to be a part of this church. We'd love to have you make that decision as well. If you have either one of those things to, to, 
to either make that decision or ask questions about, we invite you to come as folks will be here to talk with you. But for those of us who have already said yes to Jesus, we have this moment to worship and praise our King, to lift up our voices in thanks and praise and gratitude for all that he has done for us and that sense of belonging that only he has made possible. So may we enter into a time of worship and praise right now. joy you are my song you are the well the one I'm drawing from you are my refuge my whole life long where else would I go surely my God is the strength of my soul your love defends me, your love defends me, and when I feel like I'm all alone, your love defends me, your love defends me, yeah. Day after day. Oh 